It's late afternoon, post-lunch, you've got that kind of after-hot-dog or sausage roll buzz going. You're probably going to need to get a cup of coffee when the alarm goes off in the building. It was horrible. It's aggressive. Yes. And everyone's thinking, oh, here we go. Someone's knocked one of the phones off the wall that sets off the fire alarm. When we hear, attention, attention, like the guards are making an announcement. All personnel are to evacuate to the northern end of the building. There is a potential bomb threat. A bomb threat? A bomb threat. Someone was about to blow up the ASIO building. Oh, this should be good. Oh, yeah, it's great. Welcome to I Spied, the podcast that is the unwanted briefcase at the bus stop of life. Does my bomb look big in this? God, you've been wanting to say that. (laughs) Welcome to I Spied. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm a journalist and I'm here with David Callan. Who is an idiot. Who, I, I feel like that is your title now. Essentially, I am Australia's most qualified fool. <laughs> anyway, last week we spoke about jokes on a plane. Yeah. Basically, how it was your greatest acting moment. Well, up until that point, it was my greatest right. acting moment. Yeah. I'd like to think I've done something. No, actually, I haven't. It was my best moment. No, I'm pretty sure that was it, right? Yeah. yeah. Today we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about what it's like when someone tries to shut down the building with a briefcase. I can't wait to hear all this. And we'll unpack that. We'll unpack a a bit about bureaucracy and also about the building itself. The actual geography of what it's like to be in the ASIO building. Can't wait to hear it. Mm. So a bomb threat, you say? Yeah. So a couple of things you need to know about the ASIO building. All right. One, we have really, really complicated emergency procedures, right? Fire drills are hilarious because what happens is everyone has to run out of the building and then run into the garage because we can't be standing around outside the building during a fire alarm where people can take photographs of us standing outside a building with ASIO written on the front of it. Of course. We we, we put the name of the building, the name of the organisation on the building. Now, is that still... Is it still named? Uh, yeah, but it's a different building now. Okay. This was the old building, which was outside the wall at Defence. But does it still have ASIO written on it? Maybe, probably not, because we all know it's the ASIO building anyway. Okay. When you drive past Defence now, there's this giant glass edifice, which is the ASIO building now. But the old ASIO building is there. In fact, if you look on our Twitter account, there is a photo of the sign above the door. Right, so you do that with fire drills, you run back inside the building. Mm. The other thing is when any major drill happens like that, when it actually happens, in this case, a bombing, we couldn't evacuate the building. Right. Because the trick is we're going to set up a device that threatens your building and as you evacuate out another exit, we're going to detonate another device. That's the potential of what can happen. So instead of going, what we're going to do is evacuate the building and get you all away from it, they basically went, we're all going to push you up the back corner of the building as far away from the bus stop as we can because that's where the device was. Right. So... (laughs) <laughs> there is no win-win situation here. Not really, no. There's right? no escape room. No, well, there is. If you're far enough back in the building or, or if you're in one of the vaults, you're fine. The right. vaults are fine. Yeah. But, you know, and if you're far enough away, you should be fine, depending on it, because it was a briefcase at the bus stop. Now, before we go any further, let's just consider that. There is a bus stop outside the ASIO building. This is my. This brings me so much joy to know yeah. that people got on and off a bus just outside the ASIO building. No, they didn't. No one ever oh. got on the bus and no one ever got off the bus because literally you'd hit the bell and go, oh, hang on, no, 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 I'll get off at Duntroon. It's like you would not get off at the ASIO building because it's the ASIO building. Now, the other thing about the ASIO building is there's a good. big car park right next to it. 
Mm. We weren't allowed to park in that car park because it would then intimate that if we're parked in the ASIO car we park, ASIO. we worked at ASIO so people could take photos of our cars. So we'd park at all the little car parks around the so defence complex. So then who parked at the ASIO car park? Well, lazy people that worked at ASIO that couldn't be bothered walking <laughs> like me or other people that worked in defence. Right. Like the people that worked in defence were like, choice, we've got car parks right next to the gate yeah. where you suckers have to walk a mile to get to your cars and get to work. Makes zero sense. Brilliant. Right. The other thing is if there is an incident in the building, the lights go on on the outside. There's two sets of lights. One set of lights that light the building. You know, your, all the buildings in Canberra are lit at night. Yeah. Right. So there's a set of lights pointing towards the building, lighting the building. But then there's a set of lights on the outside pointing out from the building that light up to tell anyone approaching the building, don't come near the building, there's an incident. Right. Now, those incidents include demonstrations, a bomb threat, like mm -hmm. we're talking about today, or my favourite, if a film crew sets up and is filming the building. And can I tell you, I did that once. Right. When I was doing the, the show, the stage show I spied yeah. in Canberra, I did a press conference outside the ASIO building and the lights came on and then I kept turning around to the camera going, stop filming, stop filming, stop filming. And he's like, why? And I went, because all of these idiots. And they were going, oh, what's going on? Oh, there's a film camera. And then they'd see the lights and go, oh, oh, the lights are on. We should be going in. It's like, guys. Uh... Right. So ASIO has this ability to warn themselves, but it all depends on whether the ASIO officer was paying attention at the time. Okay. Right. So let's get back to the, the yes. actual incident. I'm sitting in my office and a, a guard comes in because I wasn't going to leave my office. I had a new job. I had a fantastic office. I was four doors down from the director So you're general. no longer in the mailroom? No, no, no. I'm out of the mailroom. Oh, great. I, there's a few steps to get there and we'll cover those in later episodes. But right now I'm on the top floor. One of my jobs is writing parliamentary briefs, like editing oh, them. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. And I always tried to put jokes in it. <laughs> Can you remember any? I'm really proud of one. There was a firebrand young politician in Iran who was who was becoming quite vocal in Tehran politics. Right. And, you know, of course, that's a political situation that the, our government might be interested in. So I was the guy who wrote the parliamentary brief, no Ahmadinejad required. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I... Ahmadinejad, no dinner jacket. Ahmadinejad. Ah, oh, shut up. What's the point? That is like... Okay, let's just move on. You know what? Anyway. That was what my boss said as well. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, let's just move on. Okay, yeah. so there is a b potential bomb potential in a briefcase. In a briefcase. Outside. Sitting at the bus stop. Okay. Right? And a guard comes in to tell me that you've got to evacuate your office. And I'm like, mate, I'm not going to evacuate my office. I'm not leaving. I've got an important job to do. Mm. The, de you know, the parliament are depending on my gags to get them through. Sure. Yeah. I'm not leaving. But the other, the, the real reason I wasn't leaving, you know, he's like, oh, well, on your own head, be it. The reason I wasn't leaving was I had a view of this and I was not going to not you watch. You just wanted to watch it unfold. I wanted to watch it unfold. And the great thing was, as soon as he left, I rang all of my mates in the building and went, guys, get up here. I've got a perfect view. So everyone rocks up with their coffees. We're all standing so there. So no one was taking this bomb threat seriously? No. Who's going to blow up the ASIO building? Why would you blow up the ASIO building? Right. Other than the fact that I was too tall and good looking, what threat are we? Okay. Anyway, right. moving on. Anyway, so we're all standing there watching this. And then, of course, the bomb squad arrive and some guy zips himself up in this, you know, giant padded suit and walks over and examines this exceptionally threatening piece of luggage. Yeah. And then, of course, they don't know what to do. It's just a briefcase sitting there at the bus stop. So they send the droid in. It's like, let's just disarm this thing, right? Wow. Yeah, let's just get the droid. And we were so excited. It's like, get the droid! Woo! Get the droid. This is going to be it. We're so stoked. One of my friends was working in the vault at the time. When you worked mm -hmm. in the vault, 
You couldn't hear a thing. Right. There was no, you couldn't hear any announcements. And what work were you doing in the vault? Oh, he would have been just doing some filing or something. So what's in the vault? The vault is the files. It's the okay. file stacks. It's where okay. all the information is held, okay. all the, the hard information as opposed to the stuff on computers. It's where the actual files are, the documents. The hard copies. Right. So he's in there. He's probably just putting papers on files mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. But, of course, he walks out and there's no one around. Because everyone's at the other end of the building. Yeah. Right. So, watching this. Yeah, watching. Or in my office. And, of course, he sort of like went, well, what's going on? And went for a wander around. And he sort of thought, oh, I'll give Frosty a call, see what he's doing. And I just went, you might get up here right now. Yeah. He came up and was like, oh, what's going on? It's like, mate, it's a bomb scare. And he went, a bomb scare? I went, yeah, 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 yeah. And he looked at us and went, droid? And we're like, yes, the droid! <laughs> and he's pressed up against the window. And he's like, what's the problem? What's the problem? And we went down at the bus stop. There's a briefcase at the bus stop. And he went... What? I went, the briefcase at the bus stop, mate. Yeah, right. And he went, oh, that looks like, oh, crap. What? It was his briefcase. No. Yeah. <laughs> he left the briefcase at the bus stop? He was going. He was coming up from the car park down below the bus stop. Right. And he had his briefcase. And I forgot something in the car. So he just put the, the briefcase at the bus stop for a second and re- ran back to the car. Right. <laughs> And left the briefcase. And then forgot the briefcase and went straight into the building. Oh, my gosh. So what's in the briefcase? Well, here's the great thing is while he comes out the front door and is running down the driveway of the building, going, just wait, stop, stop, screaming at the top of his lungs and waving his hands, the bomb droid successfully disarmed a pair of Nikes and a cut lunch. (laughs) Blew it up. They did not. Yeah, they shot it. Oh, my God. Yeah, they totally totally his Nikes. I mean, talk about a really crap day at work. Yeah, but that is what would be regarded as a successful operation. What? Okay. Wow, there's a really low bar if that's your level of success. Yeah, well, no one had ever heard of it until now. That's a great thing. Um, (laughs) But the thing is, everyone sort of like regards ASIO as this incredibly, you know, really amazing, uh, superhuman. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's the Avengers. It's it's S.H.I.E.L.D. It's, 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 It's not. They are as stupid as we are. Uh, right. In my well, there is the lowest bar you can set is I worked there, I, I'm, and that was that's a pretty low bar. The more we the more we hear your stories, the more we're coming to terms with that. Now, yeah. tell us a bit about the building. Yeah. So you've got the vault. Mm-hmm. What what other layers are in the Azure building? Well, you've got. You, let's go to the top. Let's okay. start at the top where I was on this day, which is analysis. It's a lot of your high end intelligence analysis mm-hmm. areas. Then you've got things like your executives, so your director generals, your branch managers, things like that. Your heads of branch. Yeah. Warrants the warrant section. So if we want to say do a telephone intercept what you have to do is you need to get a warrant we right. don't just go out and bug phones willy-nilly you're not allowed to do that i think in the last annual report there were only 50 phone lines or something tapped in australia that's yeah, not much that's not a lot i no. mean the police do far more because asio have to be seriously targeted on what they do right and you have to have a warrant i mean the director general of security the D- the dg mm. can issue a warrant in an emergency but that's only for 24 hours right. so you've got from the moment he signs it and it goes active Right, from the moment it goes active, you have 24 hours and then you need to have a new warrant to keep yeah, it going. Yeah. Right, so it's it's a highly limited area. So it's a lot of very important high-end people. And, of course, my little section, which was editorial services. Right. Because by that point, I was running the internal newspaper. Is, like, is that really a job? Yeah, it had to be at the time. Why? Because we had a massive morale crisis. Oh, so your job was... To a, be, you're a mascot, essentially. I was the Rupert Murdoch of ASIO. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. No, truly, I had power. I was. I, I faced uh, a couple of lawsuits. 
What, what are you talking about? A couple of... Uh, I did publish things in the paper that some members of staff took great offence to, and in doing that, they decided to take legal action against me. And I didn't settle at all. They never went to court. They basically we sat them down and went, can we just calm down? Yeah, what, like what, what were you saying? Oh, I just published stuff about decisions that certain managers had made that they didn't like. The problem was they created this thing. They had a massive problem with communication. Right. right. People in the building weren't finding out what they needed to know as quickly or at all. And right. Because the need to know principle is king. If you yeah. don't need to know, you won't be told. But sometimes we do need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they decided, well, instead of sending out memo after memo after memo, which is costly, why don't we put together a newsletter? That newsletter goes out every week and every week we get all the information we need. And by the way, we can also hear back from staff. So I had the policy file. Anyone working in the public service, mm. hold your policy file in your desk. Keep it with you. Or in my class, my case, my Class C security container next to my desk. What would happen was it had one line in it that they really didn't consider when they put it together. Right. To promote the communication between management and staff. What they meant was to promote communication from management to staff. Right. But because it was between, I regarded it as a two-way door. It swings both ways. I started publishing complaints from staff members. Okay. Why I, not? I really am beginning to question what your role is at ASIO or was. I, I just hear a lot of, like, failed acting experiences, newsletter editor editorial ships. Like, what? It's... I think I was a salutary tale in how not to be an ASIO <laughs> officer. But also, I actually, it was, it was one of the things I was most proud of doing that because it right. actually, what it did was it actually brought down a lot of barriers in communication and also helped sort of soften the way to get changes that we needed in the organisation happening. Is, it, is, that be, is that because there's a specific type of person who signs up to work for ASIO and they're probably not clear communicators? Correct. Absolutely correct. One of the things they do there is they do, of course, do psychological profiles. Mm. And one of the things they... Everyone's also, the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd think, kind of. One of the things they use a lot of is the Myers-Briggs. Well, they did when I was there was the Myers-Briggs. Myers yeah. Right. I'm an ENFP. Yeah. Um, no, I'm something. I can't remember. Extroverted, intuitive, feeling perceptive. Oh, I think I was... Yeah, I was definitely extroverted. Right. So I am... Ex like, where everyone else was like an ISTJ. The, right. the exact opposite. Most people were that or a variation of that. Yeah. One of the case officers who was a good mate who was grounded in psychology and both of the psychologists that were very good friends of mine in the organisation, they all agreed that essentially I was the necessary social deviant. Right. Yes, because when we when we talk about spe specifically in defence and stuff like that, there is a way of management that requires that you have one leader. It's a top-down kind of philosophy. Yeah, hierarchical. It's a hierarchical. And then that get, information gets disseminated yep. down yep. and people just have to pay attention to what they're told. Exactly. Yes. And that's very much ASIO. It yep. is a very much hierarchical structure, but it's also cellular in that you work in certain areas that don't talk to other certain yep. areas. You know, information is not shared across. Yes. Because um, you've got people like Google and stuff like that, which are a bit more like they're, they're a bit more, sh they share their yeah. they share their information. The classic idea is the ISTJ's profile yes. of a hierarchy is top down. Yeah. Whereas an ENFP's idea of organisational management is a circle where everyone talks to everyone. Yes. Right? So, I so was, you can work for Google. I could work for Google and I won't tell any <laughs> secrets about your Google, I promise. Right. So the whole thing was I was, again, psychologically, I was incorrect for them, but mm. they found a role that would utilise that talent or that skill. Yeah. Being the necessary social deviant, I essentially, they went, you want to know how to be a good officer? Watch him and don't do anything he does. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that was the whole point. Now- Do they still have this newsletter? 
I don't think they do anymore. I did, did, it li- did it outlast you? Yes, though? it did. Okay. I did. I, there was somebody who replaced me. It went for a couple of years. It was it was successful in that it gave the staff a conduit to talk. Yeah. Right. Not so much the management to talk to us. They do that anyway. But give, give the the staff a chance to air grievances was mm. a very important thing in an organisation where, as you said, a lot of that talking doesn't happen because people aren't built that way for that in yeah. that organisation. So that was a, a like that was one of the fascinating things about the building was doing that job. Yes. Right? So the, in the building, getting back to the building, you've got like the top. The top, which is yep. like, and then you go down to the next level, and it's things like vetting, so security yep. uh, assessments. You've got things like there was and now again. This is the old building. I have no idea what the new building's like. It's probably very different. You had personnel, and then one half of the lower building was also the ACT regional office. So that was where the operational offices worked out of, and then the next level down was information. Mm-hmm. and internal security. Oh, oh. So the comm centre, the computer centre, the vault, yep. right? That was where I spent most of my time at ASIO. It was on level two. So level- if there was like a serious threat, the yeah. vault would probably be the place you would go. Hell yeah. Yeah. Right, except, you know, make sure you're wearing the mask because when whatever goes off, the halon will release and you won't breathe. What's halon? Halon is a fire suppressant gas. Oh, right. right. They- to save the files. Well, yes, you know, we, we yeah. don't want all that information to burn. And also there is halon in certain areas of the building. Mm. It went off one day in the communication centre. Oh, really? Yeah, not a pretty sight. No. A lot of, lot of critical like, critical stress debriefing for those guys. That was not a pleasant experience. Yeah. Sitting in your, in your building or in your office, which is basically a huge room full mm. of cryptography equipment, and then you've got halon. All they heard was halon releasing in three, two, no. and they're like, what? Like this. <laughs> And reaching for stuff and literally, as they said, one of them fell, like the supervisor pushed everyone out the door mm. and was literally kicking it as the, their entire world went white. Because oh when gosh. Halon dumps, it's like it's a compressed gas that then expands and pulls all the oxygen out of the atmosphere. Oh, my gosh. So it suppresses any fire. Yeah. But it was like, it's like everything's white. Oh, right? That'd be stressful. Level two. Level one, guard post, of yep. course, my favourite place. where you can mates. Be, where you can be stopped at random <laughs> for, so they can search your bag. Right, so they, they would search you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that actually came out of a case in America where there was an, a, a naval communication specialist mm. who was selling the plans for encryption machines to the Russians. Right. And then he got his son and his daughter-in-law to join the Navy and become signals operators yeah. so they could do the same. And what they were doing was they were just taking pages out of the manual, photocopying it, putting it in their briefcases and walking out of the building. And they'd discovered the best way to stop that was just to randomly search bags at any time. Yeah. Because you don't know when you're going to get called up. Yeah, exactly. And you, you will get stopped. I got one of the last things. It's like being at the airport. Yeah. One of the last things that happened to me when I was just before I left, internal security, because I had such a great relationship with internal security. Mm. I was uh, coming into the building and I was wearing, you know, it's the 80s. I was wearing a bum bag. Of course you were. Yeah. Oh and I'm gosh. coming to the once building. Again, once again, I just want to remind everyone how completely <laughs> unsexy ASIO is. Totally. We had bum bags. I know. the vi- like the like And what was in your bum bag? I'm a wallet. You know, my car keys. You literally used a bum bag. A packet of as an accessory. And probably, you know. Oh, and your toothbrush. nasal spray. Because no. I know you like. No, I had a toothbrush, toothbrush in my desk. Oh, okay. Because um, <laughs> I know you like dental hygiene. And probably, you know. Stuff. I always, I, you, you know me. I, I have a satchel full of crap that I never use, but I always carry it with me. And you used to have a bum bag. So that's, a, you know, that's a visual. I've just expanded. So anyway, yeah. I get pulled up. It's like, oh, uh, and this poor guard went. I need to inspect your bum bag. And I went, really? And it's like, yeah. And he opened the bum bag and went, 
I'm really sorry about this. And I'm like, what's going on? And then the head of the guard force walked out and went, under the Crimes Act, I'm apprehending you under suspicion. And I'm like going, what, what the hell is going on? And it's like, you'll come into the back office. And I'm like, you are kidding me. Was it for crimes against fashion? I Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I would have. I would have gratefully like done the time for that but i'm like what's going on it's like you know suspicion of espionage and i'm like what "What?" go into the back room strip i went no i am not going to strip you will take off every stitch of clothing now and i went you can and i let me just say the language level got a little fruity yeah i was incensed right yeah and then the next thing the door bursts open and the head of internal security walks in wearing a big pair of rubber gloves and carrying a big jar of vaseline he went you're nicked, Sonny. And I just like went, F you! <laughs> and stormed out of there in a in high dudgeon. Yeah. In high, grabbed my bum bag. <laughs> stormed upstairs. Like, like I was so angry, couldn't even wait for the lift. I went up the central stairs. I was very angry. Stormed up into my office, threw my bag down. There's my boss like looking at me so balefully. And she was this lovely Scottish woman. Mm. She was so, oh, David, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what's going on? I go into the uh, Assistant Director General Secretariat, my mm-hmm. big boss, the director of my branch. Yeah. I go into his office and he is laughing his head off. And I'm like, what? He went, dude, that is the funniest thing I've ever seen. They filmed it and they were beaming it into television. So it was a stitcher. Oh, total stitcher. Oh, my God. Do you guys, like, take anything seriously? Not with me. No. They didn't take me seriously. I, do, I really feel like... It's less James Bond and more Get Smart with you. Look, Get Smart was even classier than we were. (laughs) Honestly, like, now we get to the the ground, the the basement. Yeah. Oh, by the way, on the ground floor, there is also an auditorium, Mm -hmm. uh, training section, Mm -hmm. and the ASIO Library. Oh, no, uh, the ASIO Library and the ASIO Museum. (laughs) What what the hell's in the museum? It's a trophy cabinet. (laughs) And in it, uh, like, relics from cases. There is a piece of the Berlin Wall in there. There was the water meter cover that was used who, in it. Who goes down and just like checks out the museum? Well, it's, you know, it's like a hunter's room. Trophy, trophy room. Trophy it's a trophy cabinet. Okay. When I say trophy that cabinet, so the water meter cover that was used by Skripov to mm. pass information, it came from the park under the southern end of the Harbour Bridge. Mm. Right. So these, these are all items. And then there's this huge auditorium where I finally, it was the moment I destroyed my career entirely, but that's an entirely different episode. But there's there's that and the garage and, of course, air conditioning. Under that is a basement. Now, the building's built on two squares butting up against mm-hmm. each other. On the, oh, the other thing is on the third floor is the canteen bar and smoker's courtyard. Right. Right. The basement is one long corridor for the length of the building. Okay. And at different intervals, there are... Fire doors, right? Okay. Now, you can set the fire doors off just by lifting a red phone at any point in the building. If you lift a red phone off the wall, Mm -hmm. it sets off the fire alarm and all fire doors close. We used to have a game where you'd stand outside the photographic section in the basement at one end of the building, Mm. right? And someone would lift the phone and you had to walk as quickly as you could to get smart your way through. Right. right? So you had to try and get as far as you could before a door hit you. Good to see you guys were taking, you know... Well, we've uh, got to do something at lunch. There's nothing else to do at Russell Hill except go for a jog up Mount Pleasant. But it, No, but it's really good that you're taking, you know, the safety of the citizens, like, so so seriously. 
as I've always said, when people ask me where'd you go to university, I went to ASIO and I treated it. Literally, I do feel now with, with hindsight that I was, as I've said, I was not the right person to be there. No. And I was certainly a disruptive influence on, on several people. But what is cheering about this was, look, that was a slow day. And you get slow days yeah. at ASIO. And it was one of those days where it's like, let's try it. But what about, let's touch a bit on the bureaucracy, because mm. we've kind of spoken a bit about this, because at the end of the day, it is still a government operation. Yes. So on this day, when, you know, the the bomb exploded or the they shot up the briefcase. Yes. What was the bureaucracy around that? I'm sure there was a million forms that had to be filled out. Uh, there would have been a file created, certainly. Yeah. Um, that file would oh, no. probably be very thin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would they take witness accounts? No. Like, no. no. Well, the other thing as well is as soon as it's handed over to another agency, it's not really not our problem. Right. Right. So as soon as we found it, we go, look, we found this thing. Mm. Now, they could have just sent a bloke to go and go, someone left their briefcase here, you yeah. idiots. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. That could have been it. But you also would have probably had some copper somewhere going, guys, we get to get the bomb. We can get the droid out. Let's get the droid out. Right. Is and everyone always that excited about the droid? Of course. Have you ever seen the bomb droid? No. It is awesome. Okay. It's like R2D2 <laughs> with a shotgun on its head. It is so cool. Right. Number five is alive and about to host your briefcase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that that's the other thing is a lot of this is just like, well, it's not our problem now, right. so we can hand off responsibility. So then they that. have to fill out forms. Yeah, so somebody else fills out forms. This is one of the things. The bureaucracy and in intelligence is really interesting because we have multiple organisations. Yeah. And But they, they, they work together, certainly, but there are times where they don't want to work together because they want it to be our case. The AFP are very, very territorial. ASIS are a like they are a power unto themselves, they'd mm-hmm. like to think. Yeah. ASIO, again, we're domestic, so we're constantly looking at that. Signals Directorate, which is like electronic intelligence, yep. they're sort of working with everyone because they'll get it. They might get a signal. And there's a great article, and I posted it on the Twitter account from GCHQ, which mm. is the English signals intelligence organization, about how if they pick up chatter, they then start passing bits around. It's also an interesting thing on how metadata is used. Yeah. Right. And because we all talk about metadata. No one knows what it is. But the way it basically is, is we've got a sniff of a potential terrorist incident yeah. from a, something we picked up in the Middle East. Here's a phone number. This is the person. I'm, do you know this guy? And yeah. say someone like MI5 would go, oh, yeah, we do, actually. Thanks very much. So it's all about information sharing. So there's a lot of that going on. And then you've got ONA, the Office of National Assessments, which is essentially a clearinghouse. Uh, In fact, very famous officer came from ONA. He now sits in Parliament House. His name is Andrew Wilkie. He was the whistleblower because he looked at all the intelligence that was gathered around the Iraq war and went, this is bollocks. Yeah. Right. So there is that as well. There's that. So the bureaucracy is very, very thick and fast. But also in an incident like that, well, it's it's taken care of. Mm. Do we need to, do we really want to talk about this? It's kind of embarrassing. And somebody's going to have to buy somebody a new pair of shoes. Well, actually, he had to buy his own shoes. He was the one who left it lying there. Well, that's his own fault. Mm, definitely. Now, can I tell you we got fan mail? I know. I was going to ask you about this. And it's great. But <laughs> first <clears throat> off, how the fuck do we get fan mail? Like, where is it going? Right. It was a pigeon. Um, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> where did you get fan mail from? It came from Instagram. Okay, great. Right. It came to my personal account. See, see, I wouldn't recommend sliding into your DMs anytime soon. No, 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 Right, so this guy basically, you know, recently listened to the podcast, loved it. I've got a bit of a story. Okay, great. 
My mum used to work as an accountant at a counter-disaster organisation which responded to the aftermath of floods, earthquakes or even terrorist attacks. Right. While working there, Asia came and did a private seminar because it was a secure government building. They started to run over their slotted time, but because they were ASIO, they were left alone. And then no one wanted to be the guy to go and sort of drag them out of the mm. seminar room. Fast forward two hours. Oh, my gosh. Finally, the front security went and opened the door. Turned out that ASIO had locked themselves in the seminar room and didn't have any way to call the front desk. They oh tried God. to pry it open, but eventually gave up and waited to be rescued. Oh, my God. So I'm not the only idiot that worked there. And because they can't have mobile phones on them, they would not have been able to... Uh, now, here's an interesting point. There are certain rooms in government buildings yeah. that are what are called tempest-controlled. Yeah. Right? So signals cannot get out. Out, okay. And that's one of ASIO's jobs, is to go in and make sure that buildings like that or rooms like that are actually integral, right? They, they, they work. They actually don't let signals out. Great story from one of the techies who came in. He was checking... We'd had a photocopy guy come in and fix the photocopier. So what he did was you know, we had to then have it checked to make sure he hadn't put mm -hmm. a bug in it. And this guy brings in a oscilloscope and there's no signal coming out of the photocopier. That's cool. Yeah. And then this is what I love. The guy turns around and goes, yeah, I went over and did the Tempest place over for the new communication centre for defence. I went, how was it? He went, oh, I didn't even bother turning on the machine. Why not? When you walk into a room and you can hear the cricket coming out of the radio, it's not good. Right, so no signal gets in, no signal gets, gets out. out. So these guys, even if they had the mobile phones, they, they couldn't wouldn't call be anyone. able to. Yeah, I feel like we really have solved the mystery of whether or not ASIO is like James Bond. Oh yeah, it's not. It's so not. I really wish it was. I truly, in my heart of hearts, wish it was. It just isn't. There's no such thing as spies, really. Oh, there are spies. They you just, just weren't one well, no, just wasn't one of them. No. So we basically touched on ASIO building, mm -hmm. the breakdown of the building itself, which is yep. pretty interesting, you know. Oh, yeah. Can I tell you? You can shut it down with a with nothing but a bulldog clip. Okay. We didn't get into that, though. I know. <laughs> so we're just going to leave people hanging? Yep. Okay, great. Um, and the bureaucracy, uh, bureaucracy, it's one of those words that always, like, sticks it's in my mouth. It's a terrible word. It is a terrible word. It was made by a bureaucracy. <laughs> it was. And also the Get Smart game. Yeah. Great game. So next week, very exciting episode. We've got Matthew Bevan on. Special guest. A special guest. And he has a little podcast called America, if you're listening, formerly Russia, if you're listening. He knows all things foreign interference, which is what we're going to tap into. We're going to talk about how you at home can overthrow a government. Just by using Facebook. Yeah, that's all you need.